talking about Moonraker. I want to. I kind of want to. Yeah. Okay, so this is the Bond part of the show. Uh, so if if you didn't watch the movie or you don't, you're not interested in this shame part of you. the show. Yeah, absolutely. Shame on you. But it's on Netflix. It's free. So we're going to talk. We're Netflix talking about high def ones. They look great. Oh, they really, I, I, they really do. It's amazing quality. Really look great. I mean, the quality it, is enough that you can get grossed out by that mole on Roger Moore's face. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. Visually, this is the best looking Bond so far. Just from there the, is some, there is some really good photography in it. Yeah, movie. really is. Not so much that the locations were featured as much as in, in the other movies, but I think that they were. I think really? that see, I think that's one of the things I like about this movie. I again reiterate, I think we could just stop right here and just say the first half is actually pretty good, and yeah. the second half is really, really bad and tedious. Right, and the first half has a bunch of great locations, and they never really. They never stay in one long enough to get bored with it. How about the opening? The opening of this one I thought was 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 pretty good. I I mean, first of all, I have some problems with the premise of the opening, but it was a very exciting intro. Very right. exciting. It's an exciting idea. What if yeah. you get thrown out of a plane without a parachute? Yeah. And it somehow there's there's the and it was shot, it looked like guy. It was what, it's just like we were talking about last week where – now, I'm, presumably the, the actor or the stuntman who was, who was playing James Bond in the you – know, who jumped out of the plane, I, I would presume he had a, par, a parachute under his blazer. Yeah, you know, he did. Some, he had to have. I actually think I read something about that where they had to – But it didn't look like he did. No, it didn't. It looked like, it looked like a man was free-falling without a parachute. Oh, you're and, saying you don't even think that was really Roger Moore? <laughs> You know what? I think that the blue screening during those scenes was actually pretty good. Though. It was. It was the best blue screen with Roger Moore so far. Way better than the skiing one, which seemed like I even an wonder if they were blue screen. Like maybe they were like suspended at the waist and uh, put like a blower. I don't know. Maybe yeah, they did yeah. I feel like they had something like that. Yeah. So They're it wasn't outside. blue screen. Um, I thought it looked good. And I thought that there was a sort of uh, palm sweatiness to the, <laughs> the way that it felt like. Oh my God! What if, like, imagine, like, like it just seems like something out of a dream, you know, like a nightmare, like something you could have a real phobia about, like falling out of a plane without a parachute. Does that really work? Pointing yourself down to be more aerodynamic so you fall faster and catch up to somebody? I've always wondered that because they do that a lot, and I, I mean, I guess it's possible. But can you do that? I think it does. Uh, here's the thing that that that. I love that. So I just love the idea, right? Obviously, somebody just had the idea. All right, what if the opening is Bond gets thrown out of a plane without a parachute? Great idea. There's your opening. I could just see how they were instantly. There you go. There's our opening, right? Why, why, why add Jaws to the mix? Right. Why is he on the plane? Why is he on the plane? It makes no sense, right? So we got double crossed. You could see. I'm willing to believe that Bond got double crossed by. By the pilot and right. the and the stewardess, right? But why was he there? Who hired him? His he didn't have a boss anymore, right? It was just no. He's a mer- he's just for hire. He's a mercenary, and well, whoever wow. hires him hires him. Who hired him? It's never explained. Well, we don't know because whoever whoever it was that wanted to ensure that Bond would die on that plane, they it wasn't enough just to have him. You know, I don't know. I thought everything was, that everything about Jaws takes away from that. I totally right? agree. I All totally you don't need agree. him. All you need is the girl, the pilot, and him being thrown out without the shoot, and he's just got to go get it from the pilot. 
and take it, and then that's that's the end of the scene. I just feel, you know, again, there's so many other ways you could do them in that wouldn't involve, you know, what what if you just, de- you know, the guy up front has an oxygen mask on and you depressurize the plane, and then he's unconscious, you just roll him out. Yeah, but see, I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to concede all of that just for the coolness of the idea of he's thrown out of a plane without a chute, but he's gonna but but he's got one chance, and that's to catch up to the pilot who's already jumped up jumped out. And yeah, I, I'm willing to to you know I, I don't I'm not gonna say it makes sense. I agree that there's a lot. You know, why not just shoot him? Right? I, I agree. There's a lot a lot of better stuff you could do. But it, it did make for a very exciting scene. Now the people in the chat room while while you had your last uh, disconnection <clears throat> were saying that uh, it took five weeks and eighty eight jumps to get that. It shows. It's a great stunt. But they didn't need Jaws, right? And then it, yeah. it didn't need him at the beginning. Doesn't why why does his parachute not work? That's just weird. Right. If you have Jaws on the plane, why not just have Jaws come out from the back yeah. and smash him? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. And then, you know, why doesn't his parachute work? I mean, it's kind of funny, but why Why add humor to what was a, a palm-sweating, yeah. exciting scene? You know, and, does your and then, does your boy like this movie? No, he doesn't really hate it. But it, 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 I didn't watch it with him because I watched it when he was at school today. But we've we've watched it a couple months ago. It doesn't. He, he's you know he's Every, not as everything it. about the space shuttle launching off top of the plane though is it's just it's so wrong. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. so stupid. It's so bad. There's so many, you know, at the end of the movie, they're trying to, you know, they, they're docked up. The shuttle, dot Moonraker, is docked up with the space station. But that one little bar that Jaws is able to go and just bend, <laughs> that is the one thing holding him. But there's nothing holding the space shuttle on to the plane. It's just sort of sitting on top. And it can just take off just fine. Yeah. And it, you know, a lot of things like that were just, oh, it's horrible. It's just horrible. Yeah. Bad premise. Terrible theme. Forebodes the the, the big, very opening with the space shuttle on the ship forebodes the problems that the whole movie runs into. Right, and I mean, of course, when they transport the space shuttle on top of the plane, that of of course it's fully fueled. Right. You know, they 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 wouldn't (laughs) worry about saving. Yeah, with jet fuel, there's no concern about saving energy by not having it fully fueled. If it could even get off the ground with that on top, I mean, there's. You know, and and certainly they wouldn't notice the extra weight of two adult humans in a cargo hold. They're not paying any right. attention to flight weight at all. Right. But now we get to the good parts, though. Now, now Dra- it gets good. Drax, Drax is a good villain. Yeah, he was good. He's a good actor, really good actor. Kind of wished that he dressed a little bit less Blofeldy. Yeah, he was very Blofeldy. More like a nice suit. Why not just dress in a nice suit? Uh, but he's a good actor. Looks good. Like the way he talks. Like that. Like that sort of droll. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, just profound drollness to yeah. his to his attitude. Unflappable. And, and, and how great was his house? How beautiful was that? That's. I mean, that's just a great great place to to shoot a scene. Love the scene with the Dobermans and the way that they're so disciplined. Yeah, they don't that, even look at the meat. Yeah, love the, and love that it's never talked about. It's entirely, you know, if yeah. you have your eyes closed, you don't even realize that they're there. That was a nice touch. It's a really nice touch. And it just sets the tone. It's, you know, it's a nice cinematic way to sort of show that this guy's a badass. Right. Right. And he's got his act together. Terrible theme, though, for this one. 
Oh, bad. The outro music was great. I thought the credits, but the intro yeah. theme, was that even listenable in even in 1979? Was that, that listenable? Pretty bad song. So then we have cyanide-tipped darts that can cause death in 30 seconds. Love them. And I'm thinking, why bother when you could just throw a scorpion on him and kill him instantly? I knew I had that in my notes. I knew that you were going to say that. Why? Why so slow? Yeah, thirty seconds in Bond world—that's forever. You can right. save the world in less time than that. You just put a scorpion on him. Oh, he's dead! Instantly dead. Got Doctor Goodhead. <laughs> Great name. Right. Clearly, I think that they've gotten to the point. They got to the point where they were really, <laughs> really trying to make the MPAA make them change a character's name. They're like, what couldn't we get away with? Like they they're, they're really started pushing. <laughs> and I have to give credit. I don't think the woman who played <laughs> Dr. Goodhead was a terrific actress, <laughs> but I will have to say that when she said her own name, I think she deserved an Oscar nomination just for keeping a straight face. <laughs> that she, and it seemed believable. She actually made me believe that her, that her surname really was Goodhead. Yeah. You know what scene uh, Jonas like? Jonas's favorite scene in the movie I remember now is is early on, and it's at uh, while they're at Drax's estate, and and Drax convinces Bond to uh, try uh, shooting a duck, and Bond tracks the bird or yeah. a quail, whatever it is, and and uh, he apparently spotted, misses. Apparently spotted misses. the assassin in the trees, yeah. and and missed and shot. That, that's a pretty cool scene. That was a that's, good scene. That's a good James Bond scene. And he's like, "Oh, you missed? Did I?" You know, and the yeah. guy drops out of the. That's pretty cool. I also like the really the the little round, very eighties computer console things that are sort of they're they're sort of rounded. You know the ones I'm talking about. A lot of them in this movie. Like anytime there's a computer console or an electronics console, it's yeah. it's in a little round thing that almost yeah, looks kind of like a hair dryer. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, love pretty- those. I want some of those. Everybody has bad skin in these movies too. Everybody. You can really see it in there. You really can, especially in the. The high def stuff, and I hate to say this, the women especially seem to have really bad skin. Yeah. I don't know if it's the makeup they were putting on them, or if they just were had bad skin. I think but, they had. I think it was the makeup. I think that that what they thought looked good, or maybe it did look good on on projected on thirty five millimeter, you know, by mid seventies projection standards, doesn't look good. Yeah, you know, cleaned up on high def. How about the scene where the where the one girl I don't know what her name was, but she she worked for Drax and where he where she completely goes along and she's completely oh of course I just met you but I'll help you right screw but my boss when, over when Drax fires her and then six the, six the dogs on her it was actually I noticed it that that it was like really beautiful it was incredible cinematography of the woods with her running through the woods yeah like yeah, the, slow like this, uh, it just went it, on and on though. but didn't look Bond like. It was beautiful, but looked like something from a different movie. It's like an Avon commercial from the seventies or something, right? But it was really, really nice camera work. A hair shampoo commercial or something. What a crazy way to kill somebody! Did he even check that she was dead? No, no. Well, I was okay. thinking right away. Why doesn't she get in the golf cart? Because I mean, the dogs could probably keep up with with the golf cart, but it would have been more exciting to see them overtaking the golf cart. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of weird things with that particular scene but i think i think the the um the other question i had is why have the sniper shoot him why can't drax just shoot him right there 
Like I guess because the sniper witness. could miss and hit him or something. They're well, standing I guess there's a, other people there who are witnesses. I guess the idea was you could have the sniper shoot, and he was supposed to shoot when Bond shot or something, yeah. and they wouldn't hear. Nobody would hear the extra shot, and you could just make it seem like it was like a Dick Cheney shooting accident. <laughs> right. I don't know. It doesn't really make it. it doesn't it? Doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> It's like, why not have somebody else just shoot Bond while he gets in the car then? If yeah. you're just going to shoot him, I don't know. Worst, worst Bond gadget ever, up to date though, I think, is the, uh, the super gondola that has yeah. everything. It has everything. Yeah. It's, got, it's motorized. It's got a, it's a hovercraft. It has, you know, mines in it. Well, every, it, did, it did way too much stuff. Right. And it really doesn't make it. it and even why would the, there be a guy in a coffin? Popping up with a a thing of knives. I mean, there's knives in the wall, uh, in the, in the the top part of the coffin. But as if that's not enough, there's a sort of rotor eye, rotor little other set of knives that rotors out that he grabs one. Right. It's like they came up with some ideas for things that would be novel looking, but terrible. Never even never even asked in the comic book universe that this movie takes place in why you would do it this way. Like you go in the canals of Venice, you you pass other boats all the time. Yeah. So there's no need to disguise it as a funeral boat. It could just be a regular boat. It it yeah, it doesn't really make sense. And why would the boat why would the boat not fit under the bridge? No, it didn't. It didn't none of this made sense. Right. None of it made sense. And the whole idea of having a coffin with like a purple interior and some old old dude throwing knives, it just it is so strange. But it, however, I don't. It, you so know, another weird. boat chase. It seems like a lot of boat chases in a row. Now Venice, going to Venice is a good idea. Always beautiful. I You've been, been there, there, right? Not yet. Not You've been to the Vegas version of Venice, though. Right. Um, Same thing. But a good place for a Bond movie. Seems like a natural. Seems almost. You you look at it and think, why hasn't world's been most there? beautiful city? Right. Uh and and you know if you want to forgive the boat chase at first maybe and and that the thing is a, the gondola is a f- convertible speedboat. Right. I mean, it doesn't seem like something you'd want to make. Why would you make a? Con- why would you? Why would you foresee the need for that boat? Yeah. But even if you want to grant that, it, it. But then they had to take it so far to turn it into a hovercraft no, that could come out and spend three minutes watching Roger Moore driving around. It's an absurd music and the worst part ever. Not only was it a bad cut the way they did this. But the idea of having a close-up of a pigeon doing a double take with the bad – do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's such a bad edit job on that. Right. It's like, oh, well, we, we want the pigeon to do a double take. Right. Oh, okay, we can make a pigeon do a double take, right? Well, no, we've got to edit it together and splice it because right. we can only get the pigeon to look one way. Right. Horrible. Really yeah. So then you have the close encounter stones uh, yeah. to unlock the secret door. Yeah, that's a nice little homage. Well, I I read about that because I thought they can't just do that, right? Mm-hmm. So here's a quote uh, for the scene involving the opening uh, of the musical electronic lab- laboratory door lock in Venice. Producer Albert R. Broccoli requested special permission from director Steven Spielberg to use the five-note melody from his film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, 1977. In 1985, Broccoli would return the favor by fulfilling Spielberg's request to use the James Bond theme music for a scene in his film, The Goonies. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, I heard that. I'm like, why would they do that? It just seemed strange. That's a nice little touch. 
I thought I was excited to see the fight scene in the China shop. I like that scene. I'm still f- buying the movie at this point. Yeah, I'm still into it. And I like the judo chop. That was a nice Roger Moore judo chop yeah. in the China shop. Uh, God, what, I do, like what do you it, say about and, the And I like the scene? idea that, 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 that this guy Char, you know, his, his uh, Asian henchman, you know, judo expert, karate expert, you know, um, he gets killed early. Right, we're only like forty minutes into the movie, and you're they've sort of set him up as maybe like you know like an odd job type guy who Bond's gonna have to kill at the end. Right, and he, he kills him early. Yeah. Although he does kill him, I think very recklessly. He throws him off that tower, and he lands in a in a piano piano in like a crowded lounge. Like if he hadn't hit that piano, he could have killed somebody. Yeah, seemed a little reckless. I agree. Um, yeah, it's a good. It's not a bad fight. Kind of like it. I kind of like the joke. I kind of like the joke. I feel like it's an it's it's an accurate, a good touch with the million dollar vase that Bond was going to hit him with. Thought better of, and then one second later, the guy smashes, smashes it. I kind of like that. Um, but here's the thing, and it gets right back to the complaint about the opening scene with Jaws in the airplane. Right? How much more awesome would it have been if at this point? When Drax orders up a new henchman, now it's revealed he's just hired Jaws. Right. It would have been ten times cooler if we hadn't seen Jaws in the opening scene. Right. I think you're right. I think you're right. No, very. That's a great point because at this point you're like, oh, he's going to be in it, and then you figure he's gone. Like, oh, that was a funny thing. Then he's back, and you're like, when are we going to be done with this guy? Right. Because I remember, I remember when I watched this the first time recently other than like childhood but this is like last summer or something like the first time i'd seen it in 15 years in the movie i mostly had forgotten the whole thing uh there was no doubt in my mind at this point that jaws was going to come and work for the guy because he'd already they'd already shown him in the opening scene like you know they've already hired the guy right it's the surprise uh, is gone right and you know he survives the fall into the circus like how cool would it have been if you hadn't seen jaws since the spy who loved me and then he's on the phone and he says oh well if you can get him that would be fantastic and then then you reveal it's jaws and you're like now it's on that would be so great i'm i'm totally agreeing with you there i love the, and i love the dick move from drax to me this is maybe the high point of the movie where bond brings m and the defense minister into the lab and they've got gas masks <laughs> yeah. on and overnight they've cleaned it up and it's not just bad enough that they've cleaned it up but drax has actually set it up as his own office just right. to be a jerk yeah he's just sitting there whoa what's this i love it I, it's, it's great i think it's fantastic ultimate and then they're off to rio well I, yeah. my notes the movie is still good at this point yeah Rio was great. I felt like I was in Rio when I was watching yeah. this. I was very, you know, I mean, and you have to wonder, like the the dancing and the, the you know, then you've got Jaws with the creepy, because Jaws isn't creepy enough. They got to put some weird, what do they call that? That weird street festival costume Carn- thing. Carnival. Carnival. Yeah. I like that scene where he's coming down the hall, coming down the, the, that was the creepy. coming down the, the alley. He's just holding the girl in his arm for like 20 minutes. Uh, but I like before, before when he's still got the costume on and it's sort of like shot like a horror movie where he's just slowly coming down. <laughs> it's creepy. starting to get creeped out. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. Uh, I, think the, I think this is where the movie starts to come unhinged. Though. Yeah, right. That's the, that particular scene you're talking about is the turning point. Yeah. 
It, it was, and it was resolved poorly. Like yeah. really, you know, like a couple of girls come down the alleyway and, and he gets, he, you know, he jaws. gets swept away. Right. I don't know about this. And why, why didn't Bond have a gun? Yeah, I was thinking at the same time that why this whole movie, I, I don't even know if, if Bond had a gun in the whole movie. There's a lot of fights in this movie where they didn't even go through the the pantomime or the the sham of having the gun knocked out of his hand, and thus he has to get in a fist fight. There's a lot of scenes that this seems like it could have been over quick if Bond had just taken the gun out of his jacket. And then I don't know what you call those things. What do you call those elevators that that go up and down the cable? Are they cable cars? Cable car. I call it a cable car. Right. So the cable car fight. Number one, what the cable car stops. And and Bond says, "Well, we're better outside than inside." <laughs> like, why? What sense does it make that they were safer so on, the, on the roof of it than inside, waiting for it to start up again? Like, Maybe I the whole how, scene made no sense. And then you've got this very. And if he just had his gun, he would have just shot Jaws in the other cable car, and it would have been over. Terrible. Really, didn't make a lot of sense. And it, it looked that now you've got some real bad blue screening. So bad. And then you've got this weird porky dude in the control room who's just looks so he's so angry. He's just smashing it. He's complete this guy is a is a cable car operator and he can't figure out what to do. No, he no, he's not the cable car operator. He's, well, he's he knows enough to operate no, it. Wor- right, but he works with Jaws because he like came in and gave the real operator a knockout punch. I like how they have a button though that lets you send the cable car way too fast. Yeah. If you just press press it a couple more times. I didn't like that guy. Yeah. He was the weak link of the movie for me. And it was a real bad cut when he goes jump and they jump and they just land in the grass. And yeah. He rubs his ankle a little bit. I mean, you know, presumably it's possible that they weren't that high off the ground, but there was no shot that established, established that. Yeah. Right. It was a really bad, really bad resolution. So then. I guess the net, I mean, I took notes. I didn't take any notes between that cable car scene. What happened to the girl? I actually missed this. I didn't feel like going back. What happened to Goodhead when they were in the ambulance? You you don't know, but what what we now, what we know later happens is that she remains captured, and he eventually finds her, and she's sitting in that control oh, room. That's right. Later that's on right. We don't see her again until then. Right. right. It's right. just assumed that she's captured and taken along. All of a sudden in that scene too in Rio, the product placement got really, yeah. really explicit. It did. Like seven up ads. I every, saw that. Yeah. There's Seiko a seven up, seven up ad was on the, on the, the, uh, cable car building. The Seiko ad was, uh, they drove, they went by it in the, in the ambulance. And I right. thought like, wow, this is really blatant. Right. Like, like. You know, it seemed appropriate in Venice when Goodhead had a bottle of Bollinger chilled, and it happened to be, you know, in addition to being a bottle of Bollinger, the the uh, ice bucket also was branded Bollinger. But I'll buy that. I'll, I'll, you know, that's that maybe they seemed, get a deal with the hotel or something, right? But the I don't know all the Seiko ads and the Seven Up, the Seven Up stuff seemed really ridiculous. It seemed like maybe like maybe the the production was running out of money, and they it it, it was like. Well, this was the most expensive Bond movie of its time. A lot of Seven Up ads. Yeah, just seemed, and it just seemed gratuitously placed. Then the next thing I know, I don't even know how we're all. Then the next thing we're in space. 
No, but there's there's this weird. <laughs> but then you're you're skipping over like a little five minute segment where they switch the music to a western. And yeah, he's well, dressed and he's dressed up as like a Clint Eastwood. He's dressed up as a Clint Eastwood, like a gaucho. <laughs> right. No, uh, you're right. I don't know. It's it didn't seem necessary to dress him up like that. I don't know. It just seemed like they were like, well, let's put a little western in. <laughs> is that is that a racist term, gaucho? No. no you use that? You, it's like a you know South American cowboy. All right. I defer to you. Uh no, because there's it's, but this is the movie is is spun off and it's it's uh, it's lost itself. Yeah, it's now it doesn't no, it doesn't money especially when he rolls in looking like Clint Eastwood. Doesn't Money Penny look like she's aging quickly? Yeah, she does. I she does she does look pretty old. Yeah, she doesn't really. Yeah, she she looks like his mother. Started to get a little sad because you love her. You got to love. You one. do, but now you know. Much less flirting necessary right. at this point. Right. <laughs> now we're in, now we're going to space. That's it. I don't have any notes between. No, but there's like another speedboat chase, and it's like, come on, two I boat just, chases in one. To, I was over it. I didn't another like boat that. Chase. And then, stupid. Yeah, and and you could see if anybody if anybody objected to it, I'm sure that somebody said, yeah, but this one ends with a waterfall. <laughs> I don't know. And then there's the secret Amazon base. And, He's got six space shuttles. Uh, well, I liked I liked the scene where he shows up, and there's the pond with the anaconda in it. Really, you like that? Scene? I, I, I did. Weird. I did. It was with very weird, creepy, but I liked it. It felt like Fantasy Island or something. It didn't feel like a Bond movie. Like creepy, like kids from that Coca Cola Kumbaya commercial from around <laughs> the world coming yeah. out, not saying anything, and just staring at him <laughs> blankly. Like why would they, why did they come out? They didn't have weapons. They didn't they, do anything. They didn't do anything. They were like zombie people. Yeah, they didn't do anything and they just stared at him. Well, he's in there like wrestling with the anaconda, remembers that Oh, one thing that I thought was funny earlier is is even after Bond realizes that that uh that that little chemical is deadly poison only to humans. Yeah. Uh that he's still just walking around with it in his shirt pocket. Like I would be scared to hold on to that thing in my. The first thing I do would be put that inside of a, you know, wrap it up inside of a newspaper ball and put it into a boot or something. I'm not. I don't want to walk around with that in my shirt pocket with a, next to a pen. Yeah, that thing breaks. Everybody's dead. Yeah. One thing about that, the second boat chase. I didn't I even. Did I had to admit, I fast forwarded through the really? second one. I you know what you might have missed. Then you might have missed that. I believe for the first time in any Roger Moore movie, they used the secondary James Bond theme. Really. Yeah, I did I, miss that. I'm so musically talentless. You you love the second one. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's that. Uh... You know what I mean? I do. Yeah, I really do. I, I'm sure I butchered it there, whistling it, but but it was good to have it back. I think it was the first time Roger Moore got that. Because they used to use that all the time with with Connery. They would they would have that like when Connery was just going to, uh, you know, put his jacket on. <laughs> right. Any, anything he does is pretty pretty cool and worth the song. Yeah. Why would you put a retractable conference room with computer consoles right underneath the exhaust for the space shuttle? 
Like I'll grant you that if you if you're the type of evil genius mad scientist who doesn't just want to shoot people, you want to kill them in these elaborate ways. Yeah. That one way you could kill somebody that'd be interesting would be have them burned up by by a, a rocket launch. Mm-hmm. But why would that room also have when he first got thrown into it? Why would it have all these <laughs> computer consoles and desks? Why would you build a conference room? Sense. Why would That's you build such a, a good point? I didn't even think about that. And of course, there's a uh, there's a uh, exhaust vent that that you can yeah. crawl out of. I didn't even remember the introduction of that watch gadget. No, and they didn't introduce it. That seems like something that, you know, I, I mean, we constantly in in the Bond fans will always joke that the exact device that he is going to need is the one that he happens to be given. Right, right. Uh, right. And in this case, you never see him being given that one. Uh, we we right. didn't we didn't mention about the uh, uh, I forgot what they get the centrifuge is that what you call it centrifuge yeah. we didn't talk about that yeah terrible somehow he survives I don't know what's humanly survivable but he seemed to be at, up at around twelve G's for a while right. well let's just say that he was spun real fast but it's still it was just it just was bad yeah just a bad idea for it and it seems like they spent a lot of money to build the the cockamamie set for was that it. thing real do you think no. Do you think they really took Roger Moore up to like twelve G's to get the? <laughs> it would have been cool. If they did. <laughs> like as a little a little joke on the set. Let's let's take him up to twelve G's. By the way, all of a sudden in that scene, that, that whole scene in between where he gets tossed into the thing with Goodhead and they're going to get burned up. Right. You know, remember he was in the water with the anaconda. Yeah. Uh, and he looked wet. And oh, when, when does he get dry? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, you can imagine his clothes dry eventually, but his hair got combed. <laughs> Like he did spend, it wasn't instant. Like the whole part where they're in that, that, that like war room and Drax explains his whole plan and he gets to watch the rockets launch. He still looked wet and had like drying hair. But then like the next scene, his hair was styled. Just seems like a weird continuity thing that you'd, you'd have to think of. But I think otherwise, I think what they were thinking is the way that it's written, he's going to spend the last 40 minutes of the movie looking disheveled and we can't have that no he's got to look good right boy the spacesuits were a ripoff of 2001 oh they really were i mean that whole that whole everything in space was just kind of silly i mean now all of a sudden we have lasers like at this point it's like well we're in space we might as well have lasers oh, it wasn't so even it wasn't the even worst laser sound ever yeah, horrible and a lot of the guys could take multiple laser hits you'd see yeah. the guys like running out of one of the tubes and you'd see multiple lasers hitting <clears> them it, it's almost like the opposite of Star Wars. And you yeah. know that they made this because of Star Wars. Oh, they yeah. even jumped it up in the schedule because, you know, it was supposed to be uh, You Only Live Twice. Or not Only Live Twice. This, what was it supposed to be? Uh, this, it was like the, at the end of The Spy Who Loved Me, they said James Bond will return. And, uh, mm-hmm. Well, it was whatever the next one is. I don't know. What's next week's movie? That was supposed to be next. And they moved Moonraker up so they could get, you know, capitalize on Star Wars mania. But the thing, it's like, and there's even a whole book about it. There's a whole new book about the sounds of Star Wars. Right. And just, just the incredible effort that went into every single sound in Star Wars. R2's beeps, you know, the, the, the Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive and the, the failing hyperdrive. Right. Everything. It's so it's a great. great sound. The lightsaber sounds, right? All of these, these fantastic sounds. But like that laser sound in Star Wars, it's, it's that sound that makes you feel like those lasers were real. 
right? And you look at the old ones and the, the rotoscoping or whatever they use to shoot, you know, to make it look like lasers are in the air. They actually don't even look that good, especially in the first Star Wars movie, like when, when the characters and the stormtroopers are shooting each other. The lasers, if you close your ears, you know, and just look at the movie, they don't look that good. But they sound perfect, and so you believe it. Like, these lasers in Moonraker have the worst movie laser sound. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Terrible. Horrible. Just, I mean, this movie just, it was actually, it really wasn't that bad for the first hour. You know what my favorite scene is? You go right to, I marked it or somewhere around an hour and 52 minutes. You see a shot of one of Drax's guys just sitting there. He's just sitting in a, a chair. You don't know what he's doing or what the point of him being there is. It just, and it's, it kind of hangs there for a minute. And then you just see the giant hand of Jaws. And his hand is like this, more than, bigger than the guy's whole face. It just reaches around and grabs his face. That's the whole scene. I love that scene. And apparently, uh, so I read about this Jaws character, and it says that, I think this is from the Wikipedia page, uh, it says that uh, obviously the roles played more for comedic effect, uh, but Jaws was intended to be a villain against Bond all the way to the end. Right. Uh, but in the DVD documentary, which I haven't heard, but uh, the director, Lewis Gilbert, said that he received so much fan mail from small children saying, why can't Jaws be a goodie and not a baddie? that he was persuaded to make Jaws, like, slowly over the course of the film, become an ally. Hmm. Was that, which is the article? Is that the Moonraker? Moonraker article, yeah. God. The poster, even the poster is like a rip-off of Star Wars. I know. Good, good, good head is sort of like in a Princess Leia pose. <laughs> and they're, oh, it's just bad. Really, I, I mean, the movie was not that was bad, over. and I really do think I, it 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 spoils what was not a, a kind of a decent first half. Yeah, Jaws didn't get a jumpsuit. No, he's he like didn't need there, one. He's up there in space, dressed like. Uh, and what did like, you think of his girl? Now, was his girlfriend supposed to have superpowers too? Because no. she lifted. Yeah, I thought she was because she lifted that no that thing right off him, like no problem. No, she he didn't. couldn't. He's he's pinned underneath that big wheel. He can't lift it off. She walks up, and just flings it right off of him. No, and she didn't have superpowers. I got the impression that she did. No, but that whole thing was just no. She didn't have superpowers. But Hold I on. guess she was supposed to be real ugly or something. Uh, was she? I thought she was one of the more attractive women in the movie. I think she was supposed without to be the glasses ugly because, like you know, I, I I don't think it was self interest. I think when he turns into a good guy and and with. Bond's clever, so anybody who's genetically imperfect will be uh, eliminated. I thought because uh, of her height, she was too small. Uh, I think she was supposed to be ugly, but I think the only way they, they, they picked a, a fairly attractive actress and just put ugly glasses on her. Well, anybody with glasses is really ugly. Right, and it's like, and pigtails, which I think is sort of like the the hairstyle of ugly women. Right, today a girl with pigtails, is it, that's considered borderline-like that's almost like a a hot thing. Like a girl will do. Right. That I think to in nineteen seventy seven, it was supposed to like to make somebody ugly. You give them pigtails and glasses. Right. It has the exact opposite effect. Yeah, in it didn't make any sense. No, it didn't I, make any I, sense I, how she never talked. And after Jaws, this is from the, the Wikipedia. Is always right. Well, here's to us. After Jaws, yeah. <laughs> right. After Jaws's car crashes, he's rescued by Dolly, a petite blonde girl with super strength. 
huh. from the rubble, and the two fall in love. Why does she have super strength? Well, it says in the Wikipedia that she does. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. Conf- I'm not saying that it's. A- I, I don't really think though that I, I don't think that she did. It never came up again. Yeah, I was thinking that the, if if she had it, it didn't. Why didn't she bend? I don't the think she did. I just end. think though that I don't think she did. I think that the Wikipedia. I know it's impossible to believe this, but I think the Wikipedia article is wrong. Wow. And I think maybe it was just so poorly written that they needed a. You know, <laughs> if why couldn't if, if if she could lift it, why couldn't he lift it? Yeah. He did have super strength. I thought the impression was that, like, she's this little petite girl, and yet she's really strong, so therefore she could handle a, a man like Jaws. Moonraker holds the world record for the largest number of zero-gravity wires in one scene. Mm. And I'll, I'll add to that, none of them looked realistic. <laughs> it just it's, it's like, this is so the 1970s version of, I'm in space, so I'm going to move really slow, even though my hair moves quickly. I will be moving very slow, and when, and like when, the, they, when when Drax when they first hit zero gravity, and Drax is like trying to get out of the room. There's some you need to watch a scene. There's a chick up on the wall behind him, and it's so clear that she's not in anti gravity, as she's just sort of pressing herself up against the wall behind him, in a very kind of strange expression on her face. It's just very weird. Why would he do this? Well, I mean, this is a why why did why was Drax doing this? He built six space shuttles and a massive space station. He's obviously, you know, this is some of the it, it, even just to assume that it's possible that he had the wealth and scientific know-how to build his own spaceships, to build a hidden space station. Why why build a master, you know, why wipe out the population and start yeah. over? I mean, why was he doing this? Like it just didn't, and why would people go along with it? Yeah, it really it didn't, didn't make any. Really didn't make any sense, right? Like all the other ones. I mean, there's things that are that, that don't really seem possible, but you can at least buy the basic character motivation of you know Doctor No's plan and Gold Goldfinger's plan to irradiate the the you know Fort Knox and therefore drive up the price of his own gold holdings around the world and you know with uh, Thunderball with with the blackmail over these nuclear missiles. It's, right. you know, we want to make some money, but this guy doesn't need the money. He's already got incredible, phenomenal, you know, wealth. doesn't make any sense. Really bad. Was it almost, here's the thing, it almost makes the whole thing worth it, though, for the line at the end from Q. That was a good line. That was a good line. You want to you say it? No, I don't know. If, no, we I, can't. I don't think I can the guy i think that's why i think people's i think i think people already loved q i think he was already incredibly popular. <laughs> right but i think that's the moment it's a bad it's a it ends up the, the second half of the movie is so bad that it makes the whole movie bad but i do think that's the point where people really i think that's it's q's finest moment because <laughs> yeah. it's not just the the line and the bad pun it's the way he delivers it yeah I love Q. He's so good. <laughs> and it's, I, I, I don't know. I kind of, <laughs> I, it's kind of a funny gag how the movies, especially in the Moore era. I mean, the the Connery ones ended with him banging chicks at the very end too. Yeah. But with Moore, it's it's they continually up just just how many people see him banging the chick. I don't know why it's so funny that the guy's like, I patched it through to Buckingham Palace. 
Like, I don't know why it, it makes me laugh to think of Queen Elizabeth watching it. <laughs> yeah. Because after he's done it so many times, like, even just, just given the last one, The Spy Who Loved Me, where yeah. they got him, like, at you a think certain they'd point. they'd know better. Right. <laughs> like, why are they so surprised? Mm. <laughs> and, and it sets up the great line from Q, but why does the defense minister ask, what is he doing? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, <laughs> he's never seen anything like that before. <laughs> he Very... seems genuinely confused as to what he's doing. Yeah, what's going on there? What a terrible movie. What's next? What's next week's movie? Uh, for Your Eyes Only. That's the one. For Your Eyes Only. Do you have a lot of memories about that one? No. I think it was bad, though. I'm pretty sure it was bad. Uh, then then Octopussy, Never Say Never Again. Yeah. You know what? This The next one is when John Glenn took over as the director. For and, Your Eyes and, Only is? Yeah. and uh, Famous astronaut? No, it sounds like it, but he's only got one end. Oh. And he's, I think he's the the worst of the Bond directors. I think we're in for a stretch of some really poorly poorly directed and poorly made movies. <sighs> yeah, this is good. this is the hard part. It's gonna be tough to get through this. This is the hard part. View to a kill will fix things. Yeah, well, there's there's some nostalgia in there, but yeah. a lot of these movies, that Dan, you you remember fondly, but it, you watch them in the cold light of day, and it's <laughs> it, it's pretty sad. We'll hold on. We'll see. So next week, everybody needs to watch For Your Eyes Only. Yeah. And that one's on Netflix, too. Yeah. All right, John. Have a good week. All right. Talk to you soon.